the Six Years Group Therapy Podcast, brought to you by absolutely nobody. You know, they uh, they say a win is a win, but uh, only us Six Years fans can be bitter about a two-game win streak. And also, this morning, news broke that Ben suffered a partial subluxation of his left kneecap. Uh, we'll talk about what this means for uh, the Sixers bubble chances. And then we'll also introduce a new segment called Lade's Fake Trades. So without further ado, hit the trumpets. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sixers Group Therapy. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Pods or Podbean. Leave us a nice little five-star review. Maybe even, uh, uh, yeah, leave us a review too. Maybe we'll read it on the air too. But, uh, but yeah, uh, so we also set up a, uh, a mailbag email. Uh, it's going to be sixersgrouptherapy at gmail.com. No spaces. Uh, send us any, any suggestions or any mailbag questions and we could answer them on the air. Uh, I am Alex Wynn. That's N-G-U-Y-E-N, a.k.a. Nuge. And I have the fellows with me. First, I got uh, delusionally positive Dave DeBacco. It's like Groundhog Day. We always find ourselves back at the same same problems, but I'm feeling good. I, I'm feeling optimistic for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And then we have uh, uh, negative, it seems negative lately, June 1. No, I'm feeling fine. You're feeling fine? Yes, yep. All right, cool. And then we, uh, last but not least, we got uh, the giggling mud bones. I'll take the other side of this. I'm, I'm feeling very negative. Coming off a win, still negative. And, yeah, let, let, let's see. Let's see what thoughts come out. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think just broke – this morning, so the, the, the first topic we got to talk about is uh, Ben Simmons and his injury left in what? The, was it the early second half of the Wizards game? Yeah, when, then, we, were, when we were praying for him to hit a three. <laughs> and then we got some, uh, you know, we got some tweets from Shams saying that, you know, MRI negative day to day. But then this morning it breaks that, uh, and I quote, it was a subluxation of his nice. left patella, which is pretty much a partial, uh, what a, a, a partial dislocation of his left kneecap. S- sounds pretty horrible, uh, but yeah, it seems like we're always getting these uh, these new medical terms for these Sixers injuries. So uh, uh, go on. I just feel like. Any other team would have just called this a partial dislocation. <laughs> yeah, so what's our what, – what was the official announcement? Was it the traditional Sixers day-to-day thing, which is usually synonymous with four months? Yep. Yep. <laughs> our, uh, we, the, the podcast's uh, resident PT, Sean Comp, his prediction is a, a two- to four-week injury, according to the tape. Uh, yeah, Kevin O'Connor <laughs> – tweeted something that this was the same injury as Andrew Bynum. Who? This was the same injury that Andrew Bynum got in 2008. Um, so that's not very uh, assuring. 
But, I mean, he did end up playing a few years after that before his, uh, you know, his infamous bowling incident. But that's not something you want to hear for, you know, a near seven-foot guy uh, and someone who moves as quick as Ben Simmons. Wait, that's the Bynum injury from his bowling incident? No, apparently this was from 2008. All from before when his, the Lakers? Yeah, like when his when his degenerative, degenerative – I don't know. Knee issues began. Uh, that was, that's what it started with. Bynum was a fat slob. Ben will be fine. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, we're hopeless for the playoffs anyway. I don't even care that much if it's if he doesn't play till next year. Are but, we hopeless, JB? I am. Are we hopeless? <laughs> and I hope uh, I hope I have to eat crow on this, which I don't even know where that term comes from. But uh, oh my god, I just haven't seen anything. So my my initial thinking when this this news first comes out is sit them for the year. I don't I don't care. I know you know we have uh, our physical therapist, our official physical <laughs> therapist, Sean Comp, saying two to four weeks. I mean this the end of this regular season is in what another week. Um, I think I personally just judging off the the first three games we played, and we're gonna get to that. I see no point in him coming back. Like I think we're doomed anyway. Um, we'll have predictions later, but I say that just sounds horrible to me. Um, you know, just anything with a kneecap, it just makes me cringe. So I, I personally say just sit him for the rest of the year. And optically, we literally not too long ago rushed him back from his back injury, which fucked him up even worse. I feel like there's no way the Sixers camp will do it because it'll look bad, and there's no way Ben's camp will allow that to happen again. Yeah, he's, he's no done idea. for the year. He's done for the year. Anytime you have a non-contact knee injury that results in, in walking gingerly afterwards, and it's never good. It's never good. And they're, they're definitely going to be cautious because that's what we, we always, we've always done. So what we're known for is being cautious and shutting guys down. And it's, I guess it's for the best. I mean, he's still so young in his career. You don't want to, you know, do any further damage like with Andrew Bynum. You know, it starts with one and then, well, like you said, like Joey said earlier, like Mudbone said earlier, he was just <laughs> Ben is just an athletic specimen. I mean, he can, he's tough as nails. He he'll bounce back from it. Uh, maybe it's not as bad as we think. Maybe maybe he does come back in two to four weeks. But in the meantime, uh, Ben is you know, other than the T.J. Warren game, I mean, he's the heart and soul of our defense. He's one of the very few playmakers that we have. So big shoes need to be filled, and uh, there aren't many aren't many guys on the team that can do it so um we're gonna have to figure out what this this new look roster is gonna look like going into this playoff run yeah um if you if you watch the injury happen um it didn't look like much at first you're just standing there yeah just standing there uh i mean comp mentioned something about him turning his knee inwards uh but yeah not much happened there was non-contact so that kind of actually worried me more um but june what do you think yeah, man, I think, like what Dave said, uh, because it was non-contact, it's probably really s- just too serious for him to even think about coming back this season and just, you know, take our time, let him sit for the, for the rest of the season and the short off-season we have and get him ready for next year. Don't don't rush him back. Right. And, yeah, and totally agree. To add insult to injury, I'm pretty sure it happened as he was pump-faking a three. Yeah. <laughs> So I, we, we saw all the tweets saying like, oh, Ben just faked an injury because he was too, too scared to shoot a three. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, definitely triggered me. But, uh, you know, you, 
I don't, he shot I don't one. Like, he did shoot one. He did shoot one. Uh, should we mention that we all placed bets on him at uh, plus a thousand odds for him to shoot or to make well, one? Well, it's my, it's my fault. I have to take the blame <laughs> for this. I mean, we all, we all had a, a little wager on that. You know, why not? And uh, we, we felt that he had to start shooting them. And he did. He did, he did take the one in the beginning, and it was a clean look. And I can't be mad at him for it as long as he's – if he passes that up like he usually does, then, then we can be mad. But we can't be mad that he actually took one. But, you know, I did, did board a plane and, uh, in which I was going to miss the entire second half. And I did say that I wasn't going to buy the Wi-Fi, A, because it's a scam and it never works. And B, you just got to, you know, it is what it is. I'll turn on my phone when I land and we'll see, we'll see if I won or not. But I caved. I bought the Wi-Fi. And literally the second I connected to the Internet, it was within a, that five-minute span that he hurt his knee. So I think, um, I think I have to take the blame for this. I should have just waited. Like I said, I should have from the jump and maybe we would be having a different discussion, but Hey, it's plus a thousand guy. You can't, that's, that's tough. That's gotta two take hours it. in the air. Am I gotta take wondering, it. wondering what's going on down there? Got to do it. Dude, knowing our wager sometimes. when, when he pulled up and what was it? The first two minutes, I was Ooh, on the phone with someone quick. from my work and I literally lost my breath. It was like, I go back to, one time we, uh, I jumped in like a, a freshly opened freezing pool and you like can't breathe for a second. <laughs> when it happened, that was the first, not because he shot a three. We've seen him do it, blah, blah, blah. But just the collective stakes, which in, in real world, it wasn't like crazy except for Dave. <laughs> um, it, oh my God, I froze and I'm so mad it didn't go in. Can you blame me for buying the Wi-Fi? No. no, not no. at all. Not at all. <laughs> I do the same thing tomorrow if, if he wasn't hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna have that bet anymore. Unfortunately, I was really, you know, I was over I was over two. It's this is probably a blessing in disguise for me with the, for the, the couple wagers I did put on it. Yeah, I think this is maybe maybe for for my best interest. I'll just, long term. I'll just replace it with a, a Will Mariel Shyock shoot a three bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if. Uh, Bud Bones, if you have any more locks of the week, you'll feel free to share them. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about those at the end. Bad start uh, for that segment. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll introduce some new ones. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll forget about it. But uh, you know what? I mentioned the, uh, the mailbag earlier. So, Joe, if you want to take the lead on this one. Yeah, we got our, our first mailbag from a, a friend of the pod, Brandon from Philly, who asked, who do the Sixers plug in? in replace of Ben. Obviously, this is a topic we were going to talk about. His first question, not a suggestion, was do we just throw Horford in there? Mm -hmm. I think looking by all of us shaking our heads, I think the answer is a collective no here. Um, and then the other options are do you bring in Matisse or do you bring in Furcon? And I'm a personal Furcon vote there. I think, Dave, you're, you're Matisse. June, Nuge, what are your thoughts and what does everyone think and why? Go ahead, uh, I'm a Matisse guy because I think uh, now that we gear towards playoffs, defense is going to be crucial for us. And I think that's going to be the identity of this team moving forward. And, you know, defense wins championships. And I rather – I feel more comfortable having Matisse play the defense there than having uh, Burke come in because I don't know. I don't want to see another liability on defense. Now that Ben's gone, that's fair. So I have to go with Matisse. Yeah, I think my first reaction, and uh, 
so was Dave's was was Matisse. Uh, then I started kind of thinking about it, and I'm looking at that lineup. You're you're, you're talking what Josh, uh, Shake, Matisse, uh, Tobias, and Embiid. I don't really love the dribbling in that lineup. Exactly. Um, and so my my other thought is maybe maybe an Alec Burks, but it it mm. seems pretty clear through the first three games that. Uh, you know, for, you know, whatever reason, whether it's he just gives up the ball too easily or maybe he's too quick of a trigger, which I actually kind of love. But uh, it seems like Brett isn't really in love with Burks. Uh, I I got to tell you something, guys. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Neto. No way. I really wouldn't be surprised. It seems like, I don't know, he's, he just he didn't oh play gosh. much in the Wizards game, right? But it He didn't seems play like, at all. He didn't play at all? Uh, it, it just seems like Brett – kind of falls back on him sometimes. But, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I, I, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. But I think in the end, I would probably fall on um, Furkan. I think I think we need the shooting in there. Uh, I know he's not the greatest dribbler, but I'd, I'd take him over Matisse for now. Um, but, you know, to have the spark off, I, I kind of like the idea of having Tease off the bench to spark us on defense. But uh, I, I just think right away if you're going to – you got to free up Embiid, put a shooter in the lineup. Yeah, I think uh, for all the reasons you guys just laid out, the options aren't great. I mean, and I, I understand, uh, JB, why you're not optimistic about, you know, our chances going forward here. Um, but with that being said, here's why I, I have some delusional optimism. Obviously, I'm a big Tobias Harris hater. Not because he's a bad basketball player. <laughs> because he doesn't right. complement our two stars. That's just it. They, they all play the same position. They all like to do the same things, and he doesn't fit. He's not the ideal fit next to Ben and Joel. But if, if Ben's out of the picture, Tobias slides to the power forward, where he should always be playing. And that's another reason why I'm a big Tobias hater, is because I hate him as a small forward. He should be a four. He's a four. And now he can finally play the four. And without Ben on the floor – Joel, like a lot of people get mad that Joel hangs out at the three-point line too much. The reason he does that is because Ben won't. Ben wants to post up, and they have to spread the floor for him. Um, and now without Ben out there, you know, Joel, there's going to be more space for him. And he's been – I mean, look, you'd never know we just won two games in a row with how miserable and unenjoyable this team is to watch. But Joel looks are the best he's ever looked in his career. He's moving well. He's engaged. He's playing angry. He's – taking it personal with guys again. He's getting buckets. It's Joel is looks incredible. And that if we're ever going to have a shot, it's because of Joel. And like I said, Toby in his natural position, I would put Matisse at the three, um, give him some run, let him, let's throw him in the fire and, and have him develop. He's young. He's a rookie. Um, but he, it's, you know, I like, I like shake and Jay rich is the backcourt. Toby at the four, Joe at the five Matisse at the three. He's going to obviously shoot. He has. Just the ball fires away which is great that's what we need spacing and Ben's defense is going to be a big loss and Matisse somewhat for that um, and then I, I still like uh, Burks and Furkan as your offense off the bench and Al of course as Joel's backup is what I always think he should have been so um, but at the end of the day our guards are shake now Rich and Alec Burks and we're probably going to get knocked out of the first round but it, they may be – they may look a little, like, a little more flowy in the offense, I think, which is uh, – the clunkiness is, is one of the main main reasons we're so frustrated watching this team. So, we'll see what happens. 
I visualized that whole thing as you went on, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of back in. <laughs> oh, God. It's just what frustrated me is that the whole season we, like, were not complimenting each other. We weren't improving. And we went into this coronavirus hiatus thinking we're going to come back. We've had so much time to plan. We're going to be a new team. And the first game we're the same exact old team, maybe even worse. Same old shit. And maybe it's a – I mean, clearly one of the issues is our GM and ownership and whoever put together a team of non-complimentary players. But maybe just missing one will maybe give us a preview into some other things that we could do with a full offseason. And that's not to say I would ever want to replace Ben because as much as I kind of kid and hate on him sometimes, like he is a fucking phenomenal player. But even – was it last year or two years ago when we went on the the no and bead run and closed out the season 17-0 and 0 with Bellinelli? And who the hell was our backup center Two years then? ago. Amir Johnson. It was, oh it was Amir Johnson. <laughs> Shout wow, out Matt really Ressa. That's Matt yeah. Ressa's favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Let, unleash, unleash space the bead. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to have some a little more space and uh, – you know, Unleashed. let's see. This Man. this whole this whole bubble thing is weird. Let's let's see. Let's see what you can do. Now it's uh you know, like Joe said, Ben took over during that sixteen game win streak two years ago. Maybe Embiid's been he's looked great. <clears throat> maybe we see him uh maybe we see him just uh go nuts. That's always the most important thing. What does Joel look like? And he's in my opinion, the best he's ever looked. I know it's early. It's only been a handful of games, but you know, let's uh yeah. let's keep let's, it going. Uh, Let's go to his numbers. It looks like uh, in 32 minutes a game, he's putting up 32.7 points. You'll, you're going to notice the trend. 13.7 rebounds, 9.7 defensive rebounds, 1.7 steals per game, 1.7 blocks per game. He, uh, he's certainly – he's killing it. And uh, it's a shame that, you know, we don't have a, a, a complimentary team around them because um, – you know, who knows what could have happened in these playoffs. Yeah, that's that's probably the best takeaway. I mean, aside from the first or one or two exhibition games when I truly believe we were in championship, like the most important thing or one of the most important things was we had some concern that Joel was just messing around during this hiatus and all the quotes about he's the hardest working player, we kind of just took his lip service. And he's yeah. looked as dominant as ever, if not more. And another shout out for Toby. Even out of position, he has played much mm. better than yeah. um, maybe we expected. He's shooting more with a quicker trigger, which was always one of our biggest frustrations and a flaw of the Sixers. So, two good takeaways, and there might be a couple other out there. But seeing Joel dominate is is fucking beautiful. Yeah. So. Uh... Let's go to the last two games we played. So since we last recorded, um, they had a close win versus the Spurs, and then uh, unfortunately a close a close win versus the Wizards. Uh, so the Spurs game, uh, Shake saves the day. Um, they they blew a huge a uh, huge fourth quarter lead, uh, pretty much on brand with a lot of you know blown leads we had in the fourth quarter of the season. Uh, but then Shake steps up, hits a three pointer, and uh, we escape of a one-point win. Um, Embiid looked as 
as good as he has all year, like we were just saying. And it seemed like I really want to talk about his passing out of the double team or how he's been reacting to that out of, out of the double team. It's been like a, a huge criticism from us uh, and from a lot of people because uh, he just he seems like early in his career he made the stupid play out of a double team. And he looks like, you know, granted we haven't played the best competition, but he looks like he might be settling in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he uh, – that was two of his main issues was the passing out of the double team and the turnovers, and they were probably pretty heavily correlated. And for, for the first three games, I can't even pinpoint or recall one shitty pass out of the double team that led to a turnover. All the shitty passes are throwing them into the paint, which I don't get why we can't figure that out. He's had some like... highlight passes. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, that's that's. <laughs> it uh, it seems like uh, it seems like the players are are moving around him more too. It seemed like at first, uh, like early in the season, anytime he got double teamed, he, the players kind of stood around. Uh, I have noticed he's he's had a you know a few good passes to a cutting Toby. Uh, I think he got one of Josh Richardson. So it it does look like they've they've uh, tackled that problem and that they're really trying and giving him you know, some options when he does get doubled. Yeah. Tell uh, us about your virtual fan experience. And the big shout out from Danny Palmels from uh, NBC Sports. If, I don't know anymore, but we'll, uh, we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Um, Sorry, you guys kind of broke up there, but I think you you were talking about the virtual fan experience. Yeah, how was it? What was your experience? Uh, so, uh, a good friend of mine has a friend who works for the NBA. Shout out to Castro, but uh, he gave me a uh, a link and a, a a code specific to him for family and friends, and uh, basically it was through Microsoft Teams, and they let you log in. And at first they, uh, they want you in 15 minutes before and they kind of just like scope you out to make sure, you know, you don't have anything inappropriate on your shirt or anything. So I, I, I thought about wearing a Zelda team shirt, uh, <laughs> but they, there's purposely a delay, you know, when they broadcast you. So they would just kick you out right away. And, uh, I didn't want to get my boy in trouble, but, uh, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. You, uh, you're in a chat room basically of like 20 people. You know, some people are like shouting, trying to make some noise, but then there's me who's like antisocial, who I just, I just mute myself so they can't hear me. Uh, but uh, apparently I was on TV twice. And, More than uh, that, I think. <laughs> I got, I got a bunch of, uh, I got a bunch of text messages and picture messages of, you know, all sorts of people who saw me, but uh, it was fun. I don't think I'd do it again because they give you a feed right on the same program where you watch the game. And like, unlike YouTube TV, which is like a little delayed, it's like the quickest, it's like right in the action. So like, I, I wanted to watch that because I wanted to see what happened right away. And you can kind of see how the Sixers were doing by the reactions on everyone's faces. But uh, at, it, it was way too laggy. So I ended up just watching on YouTube TV. But you know, if you guys have a chance, if we can hook something up, maybe we can try that out for you guys too. So people were people actively like talking to each other or just more just like 
go team, stupid comments. Yeah, more like that. There's there's one guy who's trying to pump up people, but we weren't really having it. I mean, it's it's oh, not like poor guy. It's, you're at home in front of your computer. It's not like you're in the stadium. You know, it's one thing. <laughs> it's like you're in the stadium, you're trying to rile up the crowd. Uh, but it was it was a little bit awkward. But you know, me, I'm a little bit of an awkward guy, so that's how I sell it. But uh, <laughs> do we have any? Do we have any negativity in there? Any anybody get frustrated with, with Brett or anything like that? I know. I think it was just me. I don't know if they were Sixers fans, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't, because like, uh, you know, we we're talking about uh, we're talking about the game. So obviously the Sixers blew a huge lead. Uh, there was some like dismay, but then you know they shake saves us with a with a three pointer, and they're all cheering. They're going nuts. I'm sitting there pissed. I'm staring <laughs> at the computer screen. You can see my face. I'm I'm not happy. Uh, you know, there are some people who will say a win is a win, but for me. Uh, I've, I've kind of had enough. <laughs> the Sixers have way too much talent um, to, be, uh, to be hanging around and blowing huge leads like that to the Spurs. I mean, I know the Spurs are, you know, coached by Greg Pop. They're never going to die. But that, was, that should be an inferior team, and we just couldn't put them away. So Shake saves a day, and – you know, eventually I start getting hype and I start because, you know, he's, he's posting on social media. Uh, he posted like an Oprah meme. He posted uh, what else he posts. I don't know. The but, Robert uh, you know, Horry three. Robert Horry three. <laughs> and then Embiid comes in with, uh, you know, he comes up to me before the game, says it's personal, kind of quoting like a kind of emulating an MJ last dance uh, scenario. Uh, after that, I started lighting up and I got back in. But uh, I, at the time, I wasn't happy. So everyone was going nuts, and there's just me who's just staring blankly, just pissed off. Yeah. Mike, so Go on, Dave. I was going to say, Mike Levin said something really funny. It was like uh, something along the lines of the, the Sixers don't see – there's no difference to the Sixers between the Wizards and the Bucks. It's like they play – every game goes – by three or four different scripts and like it's the same shit every night the same frustrations and like they just play to their competition like there's never it would be nice if they blew some teams out once in a while you know that would probably do us a lot of good as far as you know like we do just the wins that you would never know like I said earlier that they won two games in a row it's like there's there's so much to be frustrated about it's like a win is not a win because there are so many things wrong so uh, I don't know sorry I just Got really, really angry. Yeah. Like what do you guys Celt- think? I think the Celtics last night play the Nets and blow them out of the water from the first five minutes, and then we go up against the Wizards. They scored 149 points? Yeah. Oh it's like we – I can't remember, and granted we haven't had basketball for like four months before this, just like an easy, painless, stress-free win. Like that is not a thing for a Brett Brown coach team. It hasn't happened a lot this year at all. Um, I think you know if you remember that uh, that lockout season with the Igadala New Williams Sixers, <laughs> where they started out hot, they were blowing out every fucking team, and we do not. Besides maybe the Bucks game on Christmas, which is mm-hmm. glorious, uh, the first Heat game also awesome. Yeah, we don't have many blowout easy wins, even versus bad teams. It seems like we always let them back in, um, and it's it's a shame because you look at you look at the game versus the, the first game versus the heat and the Christmas game versus the bucks. And they kind of show us what they can be if they're all clicking. And then after that, you know, they'll go out and drop two games to like the magic and the Suns. 
And they don't click. You know, they don't click very often. Right. That's the problem. Like we 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 saw it in this in this game versus the Spurs. You know, they're up fourteen in the fourth quarter, and it seems like the defense just forgets how to play. Yeah, the offense always forgets how to play. All four quarters. Yeah, and it could be it could be the the offense. You know, they they're looking clunky, and then it leads to more opportunities for the Spurs. You know, obviously DeRozan, who has killed us in the past when he's with the Raptors, decides to you know not miss. He he's the only we're the only team he makes a three against. Um, you know, forty eight year old Rudy Gay is making everything. Oh my God. Uh, and uh, Embiid was getting bodied by uh, was it Eubanks? Eubanks yeah. a little bit. Whoever for a the hell that. Yeah, he just wasn't bullying him like he should have. But still, he was dominant, and that might be because of the spacing issue. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about Embiid's been the one bright spot so far. Um, but what what is it with our defense? Is it is it a personnel thing? Is it a coach thing? I just think that we're – and this is probably way off, but it almost seems like sometimes we're just morally defeated, and that's so hard to get the best out of your team if – if like someone's always there's always one that's not playing well or making a mistake and we haven't had one of those segments in a while maybe we did in the exhibition games where we just are smothering a defense or an offense like a worldwide wob said when he fucking teased us with this is the best defense ever or the longest (laughs) arms and whatever Uh, and so quickly how that fades away from my memory but I don't know it's just I feel like we we aren't playing defense as a team, and that's so important to where we are having those few flashes of a dominant defense. Yeah, I think um, I think it's just it's it's just everything, you know. Um, it just you know I gotta say something like it just it's kind of wild that these teams just kind of catch on fire versus us. Like it it could be us, but it's kind of ridiculous. Like the Pacers were what thirteen of seventeen in the fourth quarter at one point versus us. I saw that the Spurs were nine of 12 at one point. Mm-hmm. It just seems like sometimes they, they catch fire. But uh, I, know, I, I do want to point out that Josh has been kind of disappointing mm-hmm. from a defensive standpoint. That's, that's his, that might be his strongest, his strongest attribute for us. Um, but, like, I don't know if you saw that last play where um, it was right after Shake made the three, and the Rosen just gets right by him, like, easily. Like – leaves them in the dust and if it wasn't for you know mb protecting the rim and actually shout out toby who made a good rotation and made it a difficult shot and i think it i think it was eubanks who who blew the layup yeah but, uh, back it our for um for a team who we thought our defense was going to be we thought they're going to be historically good um, oh, four pistons major disappointment better major disappointment <laughs> that's, that's actually uh that was our second mailbag from another friend of the pod, Matty Beatsauce. Although Josh did play, he shot well in the Wizards game. I don't remember his stats in the Spurs. His question was, "Is what what is up with him? Like, we always knew he wasn't a, a perfect fit almost immediately, but thought we could make it work, although obviously Brett can't do that. Well, like, he almost looks, like, especially on offense, just lost. He looks lost. Like, his he's role is lost. so diminished. And I get it. He's coming from a primary ball handler, primary scorer role in the Heat, but it's like we or he just has not adjusted to being a third or fourth or whatever option he is now. 
it's not even just that, Joe. He's he's coming from a primary scoring and ball handling role, but he's also coming from a system, True. a well-coached system, Eric Spolstra, a, a, a championship coach, and they have that infrastructure of finding guys, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Josh Richardson himself was a nobody. I think he might have been undrafted. If not, he was definitely a second-round pick. Second rounder. And they just find guys that fit their system, and they grow them, and they create value, and then they – send them off for stars like Jimmy Butler. And uh, we we might have gotten got product of the system. Yeah, look at the Heat now. I mean, could, I think it's kind of a sick joke because it, when, when Jimmy left us or we, you know, we traded him, but, you know, he actually left. But uh, we were like, oh, have fun on a, a seventh seed. Because you look at their roster, they have a bunch of undrafted guys, second-round guys, uh, Kendrick Nunn, undrafted. Duncan Robinson, I think second-round. Um, I think undrafted, right? Undrafted? They're even worse. <laughs> um, and who else? Tyler Hero's a rookie. They have a bunch of young guys, um, ex- unexperienced guys, and they look like they're clicking. Like, they're so much better than the Sixers right now. Like, I do not – I if you had to ask me, like, I do not want to see them in the first round because I, I think they would beat us pretty bad. And I just – I can't take it with them having Jimmy. But just like Dave said, like you look at these players and then they just have a system. And, you know, Spolstra is a good coach. And maybe that's what happened with Josh because, you know, you would think someone who – the Heat weren't – they missed the playoffs last year, but they weren't bad. They might have had like 38, 39 wins. And he was their – you know, he was their guy. And you would think that he could slide in with all these good players and they could make it work. But – Unfortunately, it doesn't happen, and, and we've seen what he could do. Uh, he's had some, some big 30-point games where he's knocking down all his threes. And I think there's even a game without Embiid versus the Celtics where he kind of he kind of led the way. Um, but he hasn't brought it every night, and it seems like every night he's kind of trying to find where he fits in. Yeah, and he's at, least, he's at least put up some numbers in the wins. Sorry, Joe. No, but, um, you're good. The first game, the first game he couldn't. I mean, did what did he have like four points in the first game or something like that? And then he definitely scored in the teens the last two. So I think that we talked about that in the first episode of our podcast that uh, he's an X factor. If we get anything out of him, I mean, Toby, Joel, and Ben are going to produce every night. So if we can get something out of Josh and Al, it's pretty rare that we lose. Um, and we won the last two, and we got at least, even though he looked bad a lot of the time, we still got some numbers out of him. So, and I, th- I think it goes back to what, what the main theme here is. It's just a lack of spacing and bad fits. And granted, it was probably the best deal that we could have landed for Butler anyway. And we'll still, I believe, trade Josh and hopefully get some value. But I feel like, and granted, I didn't watch much Miami Heat games last year or, or whenever, but he definitely was more thriving when he could drive a little bit and maybe pull up secondarily rather than primarily on our team and it's just it's just I don't think he's got enough room to do that or responsibility when we have Ben bringing up the ball a lot and and shake also which which they should be doing yeah he likes to he likes to play in the mid-range and um you know he likes to play in the mid-range Toby likes to post up Joel likes to post up Al likes to post up and they all can't post up when Ben's in the game. Yeah. I mean, it, if he's not going to shoot, <laughs> how can all these guys play in the paint and post up? So it's going to be – there's going to be more freedom and space out there. June knows what I'm talking about. I see him laughing over there. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm actually kind of – I saw some good things from Jay Rich the past two games, I think. Uh, first game, he was – yeah, he was terrible. Couldn't, couldn't hit anything. Just got lost out there. But I think good signs we're seeing from him is being aggressive and kind of taking the shots, like the outside jump shots when he has the ball, like without thinking. Like I think we saw some glimpse there the last two games and there's some optimism. And I think just naturally he's a good defender. And that, I think that's going to come back. So I'm not too worried about his defense. Same. Yeah, yeah he's like, still – I've seen him chasing people around the picks and, and just running around the perimeter. And he's still yeah. up yeah. in their face, which is such a, I feel like, rare characteristic of a lot of players these days. So I, I love that. Maybe he's had a couple off games. But, I mean, Ben Simmons had a terrible defensive game. And we know he's fucking phenomenal on defense. Mm-hmm. So that's going to happen. Um, I still like him there, but it's just offensively, I, I just don't think they're, it's going to be impossible for him to flourish. Yeah, I, I, like, I really like Josh as a, a person and a player. He seems like he's good for the locker room. You know, he spoke up early when he felt like, you know, the team didn't have chemistry. He, he gives high effort. I, I never see him slacking. He does give high effort. He's a nice player. I think it really is mostly the fit. Um, so I do think he's going to be gone next year, but, uh, it's, it's a shame because I do think he's a good player. I just think this Philadelphia might not be the spot for him with the, with, with our needs with, with Embiid and Simmons, he might just not be the player that we need for there. Agree. But, uh, he was aggressive. He's definitely been more aggressive. He was, you know, trying to find a shots versus the Spurs. He wasn't making many of them, but, uh, he was looking for it. And then I think in the Wizards game, he had a little bit of a bounce back game. But uh, we'll get to the Wizards game now because uh, me and Dave didn't really get to watch it. I was at work. Dave was uh, on a flight back to Arkansas. Uh, so, Joe and June, if you want to take the lead on this Wizards game, what you see? How we look? I feel like like the – and, June, you could correct me because these all become a blur after, after an hour after the game. But I feel like we opened the game – first quarter or maybe first six minutes like we did against Indiana and we looked pretty good. And then like every other Sixers games that I can remember, we just let the other team back in and go on a seesaw for the next 40 minutes or whatever the math is, 30 minutes or whatever. And it was very frustrating. I don't think we pulled away. What did we win by nine? And that all might've clunk clumped into like the last couple minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a couple highlights, and you guys already said it. Jay Rich was quick to shoot threes, and they went in. I think he dropped 15 points. Um, Shake, very importantly, had a second good game in a row, which was, again, very important to me after the atrocious game against Indiana. A very good bounce-back game and the buzzer beater against the Spurs. I needed to see one more good game so I could be fully back in and and he did that. Uh, Embiid absolutely dominated. Um, but then, to be a bit pessimistic, our defense was just completely destroyed. Who, June, who was the guy? The I think he was traded to the Wizards for absolutely nothing. Maybe like Robinson. Jerome who, Robinson. Yeah, I just looked at the box score, and he, he might have been two of four from three. I felt in the moment that dude was eight of nine at a bare middle. <laughs> he was wide open and never even touched the rim. It was a beautiful shot. I was so jealous to have him on their team. But what I missed, June, in my yeah. ramble. Yeah, I mean, kind of got all the points there, but 
like Jerome Robinson, he looked like an NBA player, but I think he belongs in the G League. And I think Troy Brown Jr., those two, those two guys were getting to the spots. Like, like, I don't understand how the Sixers don't have any of those kind of players that can get to those spots easily. But, like, a team like the Wizards have two completely G League caliber players getting to the spot against the Sixers, who's supposed exactly. to have a top caliber defense, right? It's always been that way. We should have like, won by... We should we should have won by sixty points exactly. that against that Wizards team. <laughs> no Beal either. <laughs> yeah, look at that roster. They are literally a G or even a D League team Here. when I G League even, was worse. I don't even know these half these players, but their starting lineup was you know Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr. I think he's a career G Leaguer. Uh, I Bonga. I don't know who that is. Isaac Bonga. Uh, Thomas Bryant, who you know he showed some fire with. Uh, oh yeah, he kicked and, our uh, ass. Sixers legend man. Ish Smith. Uh, I love room for him. I love Ish. I'll never he should forget. have won by sixty points. Look, look at this. We had to beat this team. We needed thirty-seven minutes from Tobias Harris, thirty-three minutes from Embiid, and thirty-five minutes from Josh Richardson. Yeah, and we barely and we won. needed them. Yeah, exactly. See, this is the thing. Like this team has too many good players to be letting a team like the Wizards hang around. And then you go and see the Miami Heat. Go go out without Jimmy Butler, beat the Celtics. They had a huge lead on the Bucks today before they ended up blowing that. But like, I just I can't look at the Sixers team and feel good. And uh, you know, maybe that's another reason I kind of want Simmons to sit. Maybe it will make the pain hurt less when we get bounced in the first round. This is what June said, and I I think I had this revelation, although it's probably happened forever when we lost to the Celtics in the playoffs. Like every team against us. For the most part, it seems they get the shot that they want or a shot that looks like a promising percentage. And then we have to rely on using the full 24 seconds and getting like a contested jumper. And we sneak by because we are so superior. We have superior talent to most teams. And like Embiid can hit these ridiculous like turnaround fadeaway threes and and it works because of our talent but like we shouldn't have to rely on that every game and yet we do because we have we have four scripts and no ability to adjust it seems like all these other teams they kind of have they have a game plan like june said they're getting through their spots they they get high percentage shots and it just seems like the sixers when they're trying to score Man, it looks like they're working really hard just to get that one bucket. And uh, we, I haven't been able to unsee it since that Boston series. Yeah. So maybe – JJ. Yeah, we'll get to him. But uh, <laughs> maybe – like, I think we're all on the same page. Brett is not here next year. There's no shot Brett's here. No shot. I think we um, could get bounced in the conference finals and it would still be canned. Yeah. I think we could win the title and he'd still get canned. <laughs> that would be absurdly funny and sad. That would also... be worse than Dwayne Casey getting fired after winning Coach of the Year. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Hey. But, uh, yeah, that's where crazy uh, happens, right? Or it's where amazing happens. It's like Phil Jackson with the Bulls when, you know, he won the championship and they're not going to bring him back. Oh, my yeah. God. No, but, but Phil Jackson's actually confident. <laughs> what a good problem to have, unlike ours. Right. 
<laughs> I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to have some drama, you know, going towards our sixth championship. But uh, I just want one. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I I think I think we did kind of skim over Shake. I want to actually go back to him because I thought it was actually a pretty big moment. Uh, that game winner, you know, the the first game, you know, he was he was shook the entire game, and Bede says he's gonna slap the shit out of him. Uh, not a great start 10 minutes into your, your COVID bubble season, but then he had a nice little bounce back game against the Spurs. And then he capped it off with saving the day. Uh, they, he inbounded it to Horford who did a little head fake to Embiid. Uh, obviously they all went to double Embiid. Didn't, they left Shea completely wide open. He, he drained the three and, uh, you know, if we're going to do anything in this whole tournament thing. Uh, we really need him to get his confidence back, and he might have might have gotten it back with that shot. It was glorious. I was so Look, mad that whole game, and <laughs> it brought me back to neutral. I I think I I fucking love any player that is does the social media or is a little trolly, and when those pictures of Oprah and I don't even fully get the Robert Ory one came out, he instantly jumped to my definitely second favorite player on the team it's like it's like zach friedman said on the golf course friend of the pod zach friedman first shot of the day you hit it in the woods it's a breakfast ball doesn't count you shoot it again that's that first game for shake was a breakfast ball he shot it in the woods it's in the lake i'll never see the ball again next two games big bounce back games he showed up good to see and now without simmons He's going to have a lot more responsibility. So it's uh, he's scaling up. I think Joey in the, in the stock world, they, they call that a bullish looking chart. If I don't oh, say yeah. so myself. Oh yeah. He's very bullish. I'm so excited for him. One of the few, <laughs> few exciting things that we have left and Hey, we could blow out the magic, no shot, but we could, and I'll, I could be right back. I mean, I'm, I think we're all bipolar and I definitely am with regards to the Sixers. But hey, through through my negativity, I could find uh, some good takeaways, and that's Toby playing well, Embiid, and Shake looking like he can be a future real contributor. Yeah. We are I, bipolar. That was that's mm. really great great word to describe. That, that's bipolar. That's us irrational. four and Philly as a whole. <laughs> we are we are irrational. We are reactionary. Uh, and we are bipolar. That's a, that's a good way to react to it. Um, but, you know, that brings up an interesting point that we have here uh, about are we too hard on our team? And uh, Dave had a good theory about this. I'll let him explain. So, like you just said, Nuge, we're reactionary, we're emotional, we're sensitive. And quite frankly, it's been so long. This is the first time in our lives that we've had a contending basketball team I think it's very possible that we just have no idea how to act. I mean, this is obviously a football town. And in the NFL, there's only 16 games in a year. So everyone really counts. Every week, one through 16 is a big deal. So we're so used to, you know, draining all our emotions in, the, in each of those 16 games that, you know, we kind of that, – that same passion has carried over to basketball where there's 82 games. And there's no way we're the only team in the league – you know, where there's not random frustration on a nightly basis. I mean, in 82 games, there's going to be a lot of weird shit that happens for, maybe there's more weird shit that happens to us, but um, there's definitely some weird shit that happens to other teams every night. And, um, you know, maybe 
I, I think it, it's an, it's an etiquette thing. We just, we don't know how to, we don't know how to act with a, with a contending basketball team. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think that was spot on. Cause I definitely treat every game and, I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, I get home from work and it's the only thing to look forward to. I just want a stress-free, awesome win. But I think the 16-game Eagle season, we are in football town, that definitely gets baked into, like, the the amount of emotion that we put into every game as from a city as a whole. And we probably should stop. <laughs> Before we run it's because out, we Ben care. Simmons. It's because we yeah, care. We do Before- care. I, uh, you know, we throw we throw batteries at Santa Claus because we care or whatever whatever <laughs> they did. Yeah. yeah, there's there's the whole story behind that. But uh, I I do want to highlight Dave saying that we do not know how to have a good basketball team. You know we we grew up watching when we we're eight nine years old Iverson tickets to the finals, and after that season we've been nothing but mediocre. We we really do not know how to cheer for a good basketball team. And uh, you, we kind of die with every loss that happens. Like, if you think back to last year, I think we had, like, a two-point loss to the Chicago Bulls, horrible team. And then look where we ended up at the end of the year, taking the Raptors to game seven. So that, that loss really didn't mean anything. But I really do think it's because we've been so bad for so long. I mean, after, after that final season, we won 43 games, 48 games, 33 games, and 43 games. That was our last winning season was 2005 there. After that, we didn't have a winning season until 2017, 2018. I, yeah, and I think – Is that real? Is that right? Yeah. Wow. The only winning season we had was a lockout season where we started off 20-9 and nine and ended 35-31. and 31. Wow. Other than that, we never had more than 41 wins. We were oh the definition God. of mediocre. And people kind of wondered why we were calling for some changes and we're all for the process. We were bad. We were mediocre for basically 11 straight, 11, 12 straight years. What, what year was the lockout? 2011, 2012. Wow. And I think this part of our negativity is just so built in because we, we, we were with the hinky vision. We saw it granted Decisions could have backfired if he was still in, in charge, but without having a crystal ball or being able to forecast that, I'm just going to assume that they would have been perfect decisions. And the Sixers ownership just fucking curtailed that perfect vision at a terrible time. And ever since then, we could just point to decisions that were made by our incompetent triumvirate or two people or four people who just group think the worst decisions together and like all leads to our team of all centers and power forwards and lack of spacing. Like all of our issues can stem from a few stupid people. It all so comes back full circle. Yeah. Yes, it does. And we're, we're headed, uh, we're, we're rounding third base in that regard, but yeah, we were just talking uh, about that's, is, that's a devastating analogy, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about, you know, is a win a win? Uh, June, what do you think? I mean, it is a win. But you, am you I might happy the, with the win? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Like, we should have, like Dave said, we should have won by 60 against the Wizards. And even the Spurs, we should have won by 60. But 
Greg Popovich is, you know, he never dies. So, does after after a two game win streak, does any other town act like we're acting now? Hey, it's all Boston or New Yorkians. Yeah, I mean, not everything should be judged by like the result versus expectations, and we. In the stock world, we came well below expectations and bearish for me. I think you can't you can't not look at the context, you know, because we see it every year. There's there's teams that you know on paper or like they go on a run, but then you kind of look at the quality of their wins or what actually happened, and then you kind of predict that they're not going to do well in the playoffs and they get bounced early or something like that. But I mean, there's nothing when you're expected to be that good and you struggle with these bottom teams i i don't know how you do feel positive even after two wins we have a fucking superstar roster when everyone's healthy we shouldn't even have to have these negative thoughts even if the fit's weird i I still don't think there's an excuse yeah a good coach sorry brett i still love you and i forever will can make shit work like other teams make shit work. Other coaches make shit work. And we just try the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, which I think that's like a, an insanity quote. And it's the same outcome or very close to it. Yeah. Um, moving forward, we're going to have the Magic, the Blazers, the Suns, the Raptors, and the Rockets. Where do we go? Record predictions, June, start us off. Uh, Next five games, yep. I think we might be one and four. Whoa! Let me counter that. I'm going four and one. What? I'm optimistic. Dave's Dave's little speech early on, he's got me thinking. We we might have that that 17-0 run in a five-game span with one loss, so none of that made sense. All right, so let's hear from Dave. (laughs) I think we I think we finish four and four, so that means we would go. What are we right now? We're two and one, so that means we'd go two and three over the next five games. Wins versus who? Is that math right? Yeah. Um, all right, Magic. We're gonna beat the Magic. We're gonna beat the Magic. We're gonna look good against the Magic. We're gonna get excited about uh, the Toby at the four. Joel is gonna dominate Vucevic, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna beat the Magic. We're gonna lose to the Blazers. Um, who do we play after that? The Suns. Phoenix Suns. They're undefeated. Hottest team in the bubble. Hottest team in the bubble. Undefeated. They're undefeated. <laughs> Dude, they look wow. great. Aiton looks good. Aiton looks awesome. Booker is incredible. Rubio is solid. He's like Andre Miller for them. That, that Andre Miller was for us in the mediocre Sixers teams. <laughs> it's uh, Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges are just stroking threes in the starting mm-hmm. lineup. Dario off the bench. Mikael um, Bridges. They got drafted yeah, right. by the Sixers. Traded him. For Zaire Smith, who uh, he's seen like five minutes of action in real basketball. Uh, and they should have T.J. Warren off the bench, too. TJ, they should have T.J. Warren, too. Uh, might be bubble MVP until today, where I think he only scored 16 points or so. But uh, Mudbones, I know this is your segment, but can I give a lock of the week? Go ahead. Uh, whenever we play the Suns, which I think is next Wednesday Tuesday. or next Tuesday, Tuesday. you got to take the over on Devin Booker points. <laughs> what, did he drop 50 or 60 against us last time? Oh, I know he had a 40, a 40 spot on us uh, at, in Philadelphia uh, during one of the past three seasons. Uh, I know he did, ha- he did kill us 
uh, early in the season that ended our five-game win streak when Al Horford had his, like, 36-point game. And a 36-point game? He, had, he went – Al Horford went nuts, and then he was never the same after. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that. He had, like, five that game? threes. He was hitting all his threes and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, judging based on how we do on our schedule, I mean, even with the four and one that we go, if, if, if Mudbone's prediction comes true and we go four and one, it looks like we're probably going to play the Celtics. Okay. Uh, but that leads me to my next question. Would you rather play the Celtics or the Heat? What, what would have to be the outcome, or is it very unrealistic that we would play the Heat? Let me see. I'm looking at the standings now. I think we're we half are game. one and a half. I think. Behind well, Indiana just lost. Indiana just lost to the yeah. Suns today. We're uh, mm. we're a half game behind the Pacers, um, so we could bounce up there. Um, the Pacers were looking good before they they lost to the Suns today, as Dave mentioned, undefeated. Um, so I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought we were behind one and a half. We're only a half game, so there is a chance we move up to the five spot. And where we would likely play the Heat. So who would you guys rather play? Give me the Celtics, Celtics. all day. Yeah. I mean, I, I have low conviction yeah. against either. The way. Go on, Dave. The way Embiid looks right now, I'd rather him go up against Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor than uh, Bam and um, who else do they have? Myers Leonard. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe it's. Same thing. I'd rather not see Jimmy Butler in the first round. Yeah. And all these this this Miami Heat. Uh, infrastructure uh, that we just talked about earlier. They're a well-oiled machine. We don't uh, – I'd rather – not, not, Boston's the same thing. I mean, Brad Stevens Brad or Stevens. Spolster, who do you want to see in the first round? Neither. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I feel like we have to go through Boston. It's our rites of passage. We have to beat them. We have June, to beat same, them. And if, same question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm done. I'll rather play the Celtics just because – I think I can handle that loss better if we lose to Miami. Like, imagine the national headlines if we lose to Miami. Oh, my gosh, man. That's going to be terrible. That's – oh, it's going to be a long summer and fall. I think the biggest – the sickest joke that the basketball guys have played, had, uh, played us this season was uh, the Miami Heat being as good as they are. You know, Jimmy Butler leaves us. He goes to play for Miami. And we're we're thinking, oh, there you know, they're gonna be a seventh seed. Who cares? Um, and then all of a sudden, everything clicks around him, and uh, Jimmy's getting all this good publicity from you know waking up at three a.m. going to the gym, waking up uh, the Disney folk and having them call security on him. Uh, and I just I don't I agree with June for uh, I, I obviously I'd rather play the Celtics for the reasons Dave stated, but I think. Losing to the Celtics, I would kind of expect it, and uh, I don't know if I'd if I'd survive a series with them, but I I would be less embarrassed if we lost to the Celtics, where we were probably be we would be expected to lose to them. Yeah, like embarrassment aside, I'm just so petrified of the driving dish that I think every team can successfully do, but I swear I've never seen Duncan Robinson miss a three. And whoever else is on that roster, I feel like, is always open for a good shot. And we're just never not. And I feel like on paper, we should be able to beat the Celtics. We won't. But Embiid should bully the shit out of Ennis Cantor. Marcus Mark can't go off for a seven-game series, but he will. Um, give me the Celtics. 
I'll be opt- going into that series. I'll I'll put money that the Sixers win because I'll get optimistic. Um, they'll be they'll be underdogs. Wow, you really? Yeah, they definitely would be three versus six. But I'll take it all day. But we we will lose. At first, Speaking I was going to say, sorry, Dave, go ahead. Real quick. Speaking of Boston, there's one thing I'd like to add. We got to. I feel like we're being a little too positive. I got to throw in a little bit of negativity here. Um, Boston uh, owns Memphis's first round pick in this coming draft. And as we know, unfortunate news this week, uh, Jaron Jackson um, torn meniscus. He's done for the year. Um, I don't think Memphis has won a game in the bubble. They're free falling out of the eighth, eighth seed right back into the lottery. So, you know, Boston looks, it's looking like Boston will have a, a lottery pick this year with the new odds that favor uh, teams closer to the playoff hunt. So, wow. Yeah. Now that, now that we're mentioning the draft, uh, I think this was a good last few days for our OKC pick. Yeah. They lost in a damn heartbreaker against the jazz. They could have been three and O right now. Yeah. But I, th- I think the Lakers are maybe taking their foot off the pedal a bit. I don't know if they were they clinched before the OKC game. Yes. Yeah. Well, and LeBron, the best clinch that he's ever experienced in his career. Pussy. Um, but amazing win. I don't care about the, the situation that they weren't even trying. I would love to get pick 21 and just ship it without Horford to the Kings. Is that our body? Body no, healed. I don't update. think we could get a return. I think we just – we're going to have to give it. Today well, only played 10 minutes. Wow, is he on the on the? Are they like? Is that a consistent thing? I know Luke Walton doesn't like him. Wow, I haven't paid attention, but all right, there we go. Al Horford and his shit who's, contract. Who's their coach? <laughs> is no, they're um. Who's their center? Is Rashawn their only center? Ooh, Ooh. I, do they need a they, Do they need a veteran presence at the center position? Yeah, they, they always do. do. <laughs> Let's see. I'm pulling up the roster right now. I know they have Rashawn. The Kings. Uh, they have Alex Len. So. Alex Len, ass. ass. Uh, hey, June. That's a terp. Harry Giles. So you're telling me they need a uh, a center and B a consummate professional for the young guys: De'Aaron Fox, Bogdanovich, Marvin Bagley. Is that what, is that what we're saying? Harry Giles. They need someone to learn the the fundamentals of the game, and there is no one better than yours truly, Alfred Horford. They need the the wily old vet. Wow. So wow. Uh, look out for that. They still have Lade Divac as their GM. So you know maybe we can convince they seem, they seem like a owner? franchise. Oh, wow. Vivek. 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 What, what was his line when they drafted Stalkskis? Like Nick one, Rocks. Two, uh, Nick Rocks. <laughs> one, two, three. Nick Rocks. Wow, so former six are great. So, so they, that's, that's a franchise who seems like they just want to keep competing. So, you know, with Vladi Divac, that, uh, that might, you know, look out for that. It might be an option. But uh, speaking of Vladi Divac, we have uh, – one of our hosts here, Dave DeBacco, who we also call Vlade Debak, who uh, is going to introduce our new segment, and that's our uh, Vlade's Fake Trade of the Week. Wow. This is – I feel like I was born for this. This is I'm, – I'm so proud that this segment is named after me in honor of my, my, my uh, out-there brain. 
this. So uh, coming up with fake trades is something I've always loved to do. And uh, this one, this first one to kick this off is uh, it's an interesting one. Um, it's an interesting one because a lot of times people talk about, you know, you got to break up Ben and Joel. Obviously, you never want to break up Ben and Joel. We've drafted two all-stars who can grow into superstars. They have that potential. Joel may already be a superstar. Ben, not quite yet, but he certainly could be one. But when you're fortunate enough to draft two guys like that, you never want to break them up. But, but if you were to break them up, if and uh, if, if you were to break them up, which Big I'm not if. saying I want to, which I'm, everybody, not everybody, saying. pump not at all. all, all you listeners, <laughs> pump the brakes, take it easy, take it easy. We're talking. We're, this, this is locker room talk. We're spitballing here. Big everybody, if. just just relax. But if we were to move on from one, and that one happened to be Ben Simmons, well, fellas, we talked about it earlier. Without Ben in the lineup, there's going to be more space on the floor. What if, just what if, instead of Shake Melton as the starting point guard, Shake was your backup point guard, and you had a Ben caliber player as your starting point guard, somebody that could dribble, somebody that could pull up from anywhere on the court, somebody that can create and initiate the offense and make us look competent in crunch time. Damian Lillard has been on the Portland Trailblazers for his entire career. Now, as we've talked about recently, he's been on some podcasts. It's well documented that he's a loyal guy. He wants to spend his career in Portland. He's a culture guy. He gives back to the community. He's a, he is, he's a top, easily a top 10 player in the league, maybe higher than that, depending upon, you know, well, what your list looks like. Would Portland ever trade him? Probably not. Why would they? But he's 30 now, or if he's not 30, he's about to be. And what if, you know, all these years of trying, it just doesn't work out for them. What if, you know, he decides it's time for him to move on somewhere and he asks for a trade? Could they get a better return than Ben Simmons? No shot. No. Could there be a more ideal fit for our team and even for their team? You're, they have, you're talking about CJ McCollum, who easily could be an all-star caliber player. He's at least the caliber of player Tobias is. He's got to share the ball with Dame in the backcourt. You're telling me, what if he just assumed all the, the primary ball handling responsibility? How much better could he get? Could he be a 30-point-per-game scorer if he wasn't sharing the ball with Lillard? They have all these young guards, Anthony Simons, that, that has a lot of potential. Gary Trent Jr. hit seven threes the other night. They have Nurkic and Zach Collins as, as you know, some, some big men of the future. Do the, is there a more perfect player for, to complement all those guys than Ben Simmons, a guy who's 24 years old going into the first year of his rookie deal? on a five-year max contract locked in? What do you guys think? Ben for Damian Lillard. Who says no? Um, like ah. you said, we're, we're, not, we're not for getting rid of Simmons. But whoa, 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 whoa. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you, you're, you're watching Embiid play the way he's playing right now. And, like, you, you got to wonder what he looked like with a traditional point guard who could stretch the floor. I mean – I just, we, like you said, they're so young, and we would like to exhaust all of their options before we split up Joel and, Embi- uh, Joel and Ben. But I just, like, I just picture Embiid on the floor with someone like Damian Lillard, and that sounds, like, really fucking nice. I can't even lie to you. Uh, 
I think at this point I would still say I would say no. But uh, but it's definitely something I think about. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. Some final wrap up comments. Like, I love Ben. I don't want to trade him. We can and we will make it work once we fire Brett and fire Elton and fire Ned. But if we did have to trade him, Dame and Joel would be. I'd already. I'd just send them the trophy. <laughs> they would be the most, in my opinion, complimentary, perfect, and I'm not even thinking of other people, so this statement might not even be real. But in my mind, Dame and Joel would be so beautiful together. What do you think, what do you think June? Yeah, I'm with Joe and Dave, man. I mean, we're just fantasizing here. It's not real. Like, it's not going to happen, <laughs> it's, right? It's called fake <laughs> trades. It's a fake trades, yeah. But on paper, it sounds brilliant. It's beautiful. For I'd both love teams. to see those combo. Yeah, I'd love to see that combo with Dame and Joel. Yeah, future... Tobias is a power forward going Ooh, forward. Beautiful. Ooh. Yeah, future, future iterations of this segment might have some role-player trades. We just had to start with a blockbuster. Right. This, it's just something to think about with how we're playing. But, uh, Dave, you presented it. What would you do? Do it. I mean, I, I'll coward, tell you why I yes. would. I would do it because <laughs> because I'm not a coward. That's why I'm not like Ben. I'm not a coward. Um, I would do it. No, I mean, it's like that. everything falls into place. Like, you're getting equal value. Maybe not long-term. This is, look, Dame's 30, Ben's 24. We're trading the future for the present. But it's this is it. I mean, this is the pushing all our chips into the middle. Like, we're all in if we do this. Like, everything falls into place. Dame is everything that we need. He's everything that we've always needed. Uh, he'd be as beloved as Allen Iverson was. Like, just he, – he's right. – he's, it's Dame time. Big game Dame. <laughs> like, this guy has more game-winning buzzer beaters than – Anyone in the league, maybe. I mean, really. It's, there's, there are a few players as clutch as Damian Lillard. He can single-handedly win you a game. He can score 50 any night. He can light it up from three. He's a, he's a locker room leader. He's a leader in the community. He raps. He's awesome. He's dope. He's everything. He's everything we need, and I, we'd really be going all in. And uh, I think it would be – if everybody stayed healthy, I think, uh, I think that we would be a serious contender. And a new coach, Stan Van Gundy, coaching that team. Are you kidding me? We're going all the way. He's a fucking killer, and we need a killer on the floor. I agree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we're going against time here, but I just have to mention real quick, like, we don't know how long Joel is going to last. He's, uh, nope. he's what, 26 now? He's had a decent amount of minutes on his body. Um, you know, we don't really know – how long we're going to have our window. And you know, this has got, this has gotten us in trouble with the Jimmy trade and the, in the Tobias trade, but it's, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't in the back of my mind thinking like we've seen, like you mentioned before, Embiid might be a superstar. Ben's a star, maybe not a superstar. We've seen Embiid at that level that we haven't seen Ben yet. Although, you know, we think the world of Ben. So it, it's in the back of my mind that, you know, what if we do need it to exhaust our options and, you know, I don't think you can get a better, better trade than that. Um, you guys like to add anything? No, let's let's do closing thoughts on anything we talked about today. The trade, the future, blah, blah, blah. I'll lead. I think we'll be fine. We're not winning this year, and that's okay. 
Ben will be fine. Him and Joel will work it out. One Stan Van is our coach. Next up. Uh, I hope we play Boston, and that's it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not writing us off just yet. I need to see – I want to see Clippers Tobias Harris at the four, you know, just with uh, not having to share the ball with anybody but Joel. I want to see what Shake's got with a bigger role. I want to see what Josh has with a bigger role. Everybody's kind of playing their right position right now. Let's, let's see what they look like before we totally – write them off. Because guess what? As long as Embiid looks like this, we have a chance to beat anybody. Fuck, Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, probably not. But We got the best player on the court against most, almost every team we're going to go against. Maybe every team in the Eastern Conference? Uh, yeah. Giannis is Except fucking Giannis. phenomenal. Hey, Joel was on the all-bubble team this, today. From ESPN. He was, including TJ Warren. Oh, what an, but, uh, what an <laughs> honor. <laughs> but, uh, you know what? I'm I'm actually very interested to see how we do. Uh, I know it's, I mean, this is going to sound bad, but you know, I was very stressed before we heard the Ben news already. So knowing Ben probably won't come back this year kind of takes that a little bit away because our, all our expectations are kind of gone. We like, we all think we're going to get bounced in the first round maybe. So um, I'm very interested to see how Embiid takes his team with uh, maybe a different system and a little more space and see how he does. But uh, with that, we're going to close it off with uh, what's for dinner, guys. Um, anything, anything this week that, uh, that you had, anything that you're going to have, or anything today? Nothing too exciting for me. I had uh, some cl- a clean meal from Dig Rittenhouse. I'm saving up my unclean meal for probably Friday and Saturday. I earned it. Well, How about you, June? I was inspired by Dave's fried rice recipes on the on, on the Instagram group. So I've been experimenting with a lot of fried rice uh, ingredients these weeks. So wow, yeah. Do you have a wok? No, I don't have a wok. I oh, need to dude. get one. I get one. Uh, yeah, you do. It's a game changer. <laughs> Is it really? Take it oh my god! Dave, yeah, man. I'll I'll send you some good some good YouTube videos to check out but yeah definitely invest in a walk when's your mm-hmm. birthday I might, I might even get you one honestly you need, wow. you on my 30th birthday wow march 26th whoa <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm right behind you i'm right <laughs> behind you um i kept it clean tonight um been pretty unclean lately so tonight i had um sweet potatoes broccoli and salmon one pan in the oven nice and easy and uh, but I got big plans for uh, for the for a couple game days this weekend coming up. When do we play? Tomorrow and Sunday. Tomorrow and uh, Sunday. Yeah. Tomorrow and Sunday. Yeah. Game big day plan, meals big, big from Davey. Plans. Let's fucking go. Send oh, us yeah, pictures. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Stay tuned. <laughs> I uh, for dinner we're actually having some leftover uh, Galvi, but uh, for lunch mm. that was very timely. Came right after the Ben Simmons news broke. I had a. Uh, Wood Street Pizza. I got a nice sausage pie and uh, had a cheesesteak with it. So that was uh, some nice food therapy after hearing the uh, the Ben news. Fucking phenomenal pizza from Wood Street. I'm so envious and I can't wait to order it again. Shout out Wood Street. I'm going to tag them. They could sponsor us. 
<laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we have two games now. Uh, two games before our next pod. Looks like uh, it was the Magic and the Blazers. So we'll talk after that. All right, All right. see you, fellas. I feel All better. Right. Good stuff, Good my boys. Yeah, group therapy. That's what this is. That's what this is all about. Group Good work. Therapy. That's what this is all about. <laughs> Peace out. See you guys.